Welcome back to the Get Outside with Kids podcast, where we help you create more fun memories outside with your kids. Jen, as I take my kids out in the car, we often have, you know, fun kids music on. And I tell you what, those songs have a way of just getting absolutely burned into your brain for better or worse. Sometimes my kids are obsessed with like the song that happened to be in the Paw Patrol movie like a million years ago. That song was my most listened to song on Spotify last year, as in like even with all the songs I listen to. What what kind of things are your kids into? My kids love Raffi. They love Frozen soundtracks. What songs are getting stuck in your head, kids' heads oh, at the moment? Oh, that's such a good point. Uh, I worked for this company on their social media, and they have some fantastic music. It's called The Tree Bees, okay. uh, all one word, and they're on Spotify. They've got some good stuff and just some like different stuff. Uh, we've done a lot of Raffi, but I feel like I'm kind of Raffied out at this yeah, point in my maybe life. Maybe getting a bit over Raffi. So we do try and be thoughtful about what's on because you're right. If you get the wrong music on, I mean, I'm all for Let It Go, but we have Let It Go like well over a thousand <laughs> times in this household now. <laughs> There's a song by Snoop Dogg, maybe I should link to it in the show notes, uh, called Affirmations that our kids are a big fan of right now. And it's a kid's song by Snoop Dogg. And it's all about like positive things you can say when you're having a rough day. And, you know, like I, I made a mistake the other day. I did something wrong. And my three-year-old, three-year-old turned to me and said, mommy, it's okay. Remember what Snoop Dogg says? And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> what's what Snoop Dogg says? Like, Snoop Dogg says a lot of questionable things. And she's like- There's a lot of things. <laughs> Snoop Dogg says, I learned from my mistakes. I was like, oh, this song has really taken hold with her. Um, I think that's a really interesting concept that kids take these kind of things they've learned through song and can actually apply them in the real world. Today's episode is actually with a musician and she is trying to do that to create connections to nature for children. I think it's such an interesting connection. She's also happens to just be an author and an illustrator. She's a very creative and multi-talented woman. Sarah Ernst is an award-winning children's author, illustrator, and musician, and we're so happy to talk to her today about all of the different things that she works on, the different ways she's trying to connect kids and spark their curiosity about nature. And Jen, she's going to teach us a very new word to both of us, right? I can't wait. This word uh, is exciting, but also terrifying. And uh, you'll hear why you'll want to keep an eye out for this word uh, come around Christmas time in your home. (laughs) We hope you're going to love this episode with Sarah Ernst. And welcome, Sarah. And thank you for taking time out of your day to join us here today. And why don't we throw it over to you if you want to tell us a little bit about the book that you've got and some of the inspiration uh, behind it. Thank you so much. And first of all, thank you, Kate. Thank you, Jen, for having me on. This is so wonderful. And just thanks to you guys for what you're doing and just sharing things with parents and giving advice and trying to give unstructured play and just just all the things that you're doing to empower families and stuff. I just I think it's wonderful and I love being a part of things like this. But yes, so my book, my latest book, it's my fifth book and it's called Where is Wild? And it's really for smaller children, but just a very gentle rhyming journey uh, through wonder, um, kind of aesthetic, but also just very descriptive. So it's kind of a two-part thing. It's one to encourage kids to not only get outside, but to discover places that they consider wild. I mean, because we'll take walks and we'll do things, but I think that we all have places, especially people who really love nature, places that are extra therapeutic to you, places you really love to sit, places you love to be. I consider those places, those wild places, the places you really love and that you find wonder in. 
So it encourages children to find those places wherever that might be. It might even be in a park. They might live in a city and not have access to a forest or anything like that. But also it's encouraging the use of descriptive words. Um, I mean, namely adjectives and adverbs, but descriptive words in the book <laughs> just to make it a little easier and even has something in the back of the book just to help parents easily guide kids into understanding a little bit better what a descriptive word actually is, how to use it. And honestly, I feel like it heightens vocabulary and just starts this kind of this whole ripple effect of using rhythm in words and more descriptions of things, which is, it's healthy in vocabulary. <laughs> so, and I just don't find that enough in, in books for smaller, smaller children. So anyway, I just wanted to encourage that because I love, I love adjectives and adverbs. So <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea of, of using nature though, as the kind of the instrument for introducing those kind of concepts, because I can imagine there's a lot of pretty boring language books around and, uh, <laughs> That just sounds like a very different approach. I love that. Well, yeah, I mean, there of course there are books, and I think there are books for appropriate times where it's more baby talk or certain things. But I honestly, I'm one of those people that I don't think. I mean, kids are sponges. I don't think that they're incapable of learning larger words or how to describe something better when they're really little. It's it's mm -hmm. whatever we give them. It's what they learn. Just like potty and toilet are both two syllables. And while one might be a little easier to say, a child could certainly learn how to say toilet <laughs> the same as they can say potty. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's yeah, no, that is no judgment on the use of potty. I'm just saying that as a, they're both a two syllable word. Like you, you either learn hurt, you learn boo-boo. It's, you know, you give to children and they will take it. So I think that they are highly capable of just soaking in beautiful descriptive words mm -hmm. that help them describe the world around them in just a more magical way. Sarah, you're a very, very talented woman and you're an oh. author, well, an you. illustrator, <laughs> a musician. Yes. Um, that, that's a lot of different skill sets right there. But I was just reading uh, the story about how you kind of came to the musical side of it. I thought yeah. that was such an interesting sort of journey there and how you sort of moved in into this world of sharing music around nature and helping kids sort of learning to love nature through music. Can you tell mm -hmm. us that story of how you sort of found your way into music for kids? It was so organic. It was so unexpected. I, The fact is, is that no one, no one even knew that I owned a ukulele, let alone played it, did anything <laughs> with it. This was, just, you know, it was like my little secret musical instrument that I did things with. And I was hosting a, a nature group for kids and their moms. And, but because of the age group, group, this kind of three to seven range, especially the, the three to five range, I really wanted to help them retain some of the information that we were going over, like what to do if we came across a bear in the woods and all these things that were genuinely important when we'd go on hikes or be down at a river. And I thought about writing a song, you know, if there could be something to help. And, and that's where it began. It was only something for the group that's where all of the songs initially were no one outside of the group 
knew that I was writing songs. And I feel like I've said this a hundred times, but it's true. It's the moms. It was the moms in the group. They were the ones that encouraged me. I had absolutely zero intention of ever sharing them, of anyone outside of the group ever knowing about the songs or anything else. I was not a performer. I was not a music. That was not what I was doing. (laughs) But you know what? The universe had other plans. So (laughs) here we are. And here I am for albums later and all these things. And that's why I say it was just so organic and unexpected. It just sort of happened, but in the most beautiful way, because that was not something that I was seeking. I I genuinely did it just to try to help bring a different level of education to them in a way that would be kind of fun and catchy and stick with them. And it did. And I really just fell in love with it. And they enjoyed it, but I couldn't stop writing. Once I started a few, it just, it was, it snowballed. And I mean that sincerely. I, I mean, I had 20 songs before I knew it and they just kept coming and that's the way it works. Wow. That's so cool. I love that. I love that. Now, I noticed here, Sarah, you, in addition to creating the book, Where is Wild, all of the amazing songs you have, you also have this free and fun challenge that was inspired by the book to help get kids and their families outside, like you mentioned, looking for those wild places. Um, Tell me a little bit about this challenge and how exactly that works. That sounds so interesting. Yes. It's it's just something fun. Okay. So I feel like once you have that special place or a wild place, you want to remember it in some way. You can come back to it. But the Where is Wild challenge is, so in the book, in every single spread, there's this little flag and you'll find it in each of the illustrations and it says wild on it. It's just sort of a way of flagging and tagging these special places in the book. Well, on the website, on my website, there's a tutorial for either how to make your own fabric wild flag, which is very easy, or for those who don't have time or want to go to that length, they can simply just print off the one I already have there, uh, cut it out, put it on a, a popsicle stick, you know, if you want to, or hot glue it to a stick. It doesn't matter. But the point is to keep the wild flag with you. And if you're a social media family and you and you hashtag and you do that kind of thing, then you go when you are out in nature and you find what you would deem a wild place, then Either put the little flag there and take a picture of it or have your child or your family hold it and hashtag where's wild challenge. Now, that's if you want to go the social media route. You could certainly just take a picture and keep it in a scrapbook for your family. It doesn't have to be public. It's more of just the whole point is to not only get outside as a family and to find those quote unquote wild places because they might be different for each person in the family. But also it's fun. It's like a treasure hunt. I mean, when you go, like what place, you know, will be what I consider wild. It might be next to a pond. It might be at a creek. It might be up on a branch in a tree. And um, that's half the fun of it. So it's just about exploring and it's about doing it as a family or do it as a group, you know, nature groups can do it together and grab a friend and, um, and do that. So yeah, it's just something free and nature, nature is free for goodness sake. And I feel like it's just another element also to bring the book a little bit more to life because the wild flag is in it. And so then (laughs) that child can become that same little explorer and find those places too. I like the idea that kids can uh, can go out and sort of find these places in an 
it doesn't have to be in like some big backcountry mountaintop experience. Uh, no. We had another guest on the show last year, Lauren McLean, who wrote a book, Me and My Sit Spot. And uh, that was really about, you know, the idea of finding a sit spot and returning to it. And it could mm-hmm. be a little grassy patch next to your townhouse, or it could be, you know, the communal garden at the bottom of your apartment building. Um, but like the idea that you go there and you observe what's going on. And Absolutely. I love that idea that, you know, I think as parents, we sometimes think we're sort of, you've got to be quite outdoorsy. You've got to be going and doing big, huge adventures up mountains, or you've got to be going to the wild parks or doing big hikes. But what's wild or what's special to you and and how you experience nature can be really different for every family. And I I think that's a really beautiful way of literally staking it and saying, (laughs) yes, this place right here. (laughs) Well, exactly. And that's why I say, I mean, because a lot of people live in the city, there isn't a forest nearby. There isn't a patch of woods. There isn't maybe even a park close. I mean, I have the the blessing of having woods right outside of my home and some field and this and that, but that isn't what everyone has. And so you're right. I love the sit spot idea. I always have. And also to go through each season, continue to visit that sit spot, you know, what happens in the spring, the summer, the fall, the winter, and, um, you know, which birds visit there. But for people who live in an apartment, you know, in the city or in a downtown area or kids that live in a loft or something like that, it might be just heading to a bench somewhere with someone and just sitting for a bit and listening to the birds. That might be a wild place for them because that might be as close to nature as that particular child is able to get most of the time. And while that isn't covered in illustrations necessarily, the point is still the same. And that is that wild is everywhere and wild is wherever you are. That's ex- that's how the book ends. Wild is wherever you are. You are wild. And, um, and, and I truly believe that. Love the sit spot though. I have a sit spot. <laughs> <laughs> that's so perfect, Sarah. I mean, we talk a lot on this podcast about really breaking it down to those small adventures. Um, and getting your kids outside for five more minutes, 10 more minutes, 20 more minutes a day, all of that does add up. Uh, We know there's Mm -hmm. huge value in having long places of or long periods of time outside unstructured. But the reality is that isn't how most of us can live our lives every day, especially if your children are already school age and are going Mm -hmm. to public school. So having these uh, wild places or our sit spots be places we can just access quickly, easily. Um, You know, you can have the big wild spaces that maybe you visit on the weekend and then maybe something closer to home uh, that's just more accessible on a weeknight for you. So I love that. Always the message you want to get across here on the podcast is, is I love that wild is wild is wherever you are. You are wild. And just taking those small steps to get outside just a little bit more than you are today. It's it's true. And also there are a lot of parents that I find, I call them nature reluctant. And I've said this before, but nature reluctant parents, and it's okay where nature isn't really your thing. There are so many adults that did not grow up in the woods or around the woods or at a creek or in dirt and sweat. You know, that wasn't their atmosphere. And so they don't really know how to quite bring that to their own family. And um, like you said, I love the idea of the whole just micro adventuring and small. I mean, just a walk even can bring so much joy to a child or to do something as a family. And um, yeah, like you said, five extra minutes, 10 extra. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I just think that any time is time. 
<laughs> any time in nature is time. It doesn't have to be a campsite, you know. Um, it doesn't have to be sleeping on a sleeping bag in the dirt or whatever it is, <laughs> or you know, stringing up a hammock between trees. It's you don't have to go there yet, you know, um, or ever. So just take walks, nature walks, and just to add to that, I love the idea of nature treasures. I did that with the kids in the group, and have done it with many kids since. So I consider nature treasures. I mean, really anything you find in nature that you again, consider valuable. I mean, it could be a pine cone. It could be an amazing rock. It could be a great stick. Any of those things, it's a nature treasure. And so just to say to your child, let's take a walk and go on a nature treasure hunt. Let the walk be five minutes, 10 minutes, let it be an hour. But the goal would also be what did they bring back or what can they find? And then it not only gives the child a reason to actually explore, but they come back with something that they now prize, even if it's a stick. And it's a great (laughs) idea to just set up a little cabinet or just, you know, a little table, something where they can put that week's nature treasures or that month's nature treasures. And then you cycle it out because a lot of parents will be like, those nature treasures add up. And they yes, will. I mean, yes, they do. Get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after a week or something, you, you know, release them back into the wild <laughs> and then start again. But just to have a little, some sort of little container, a little chest or something, it's, it's, those things are really special to a child. It truly feels like their accumulate treasures. We um, recently had to clean out our garage and found a whole stash of very special sticks. And <laughs> luckily the kids weren't there. We were like, and back to the wild they go because we don't need five <laughs> more sticks in our lives. That's right. Um, <laughs> so, Sarah, I'm interested in sort of um, how you see music in this. You know, we've, we've talked to a lot of people on the podcast. We've talked to environmental educators. We've talked mm-hmm. to teachers, talked to occupational therapists. I think you might be the first musician that we've talked to. Oh, about. fun. <laughs> But we're interested in your like take there on how how you see and how you've seen with your four albums and your experience working yeah. with children, how you've seen the power of music and that and its ability to to help people ex- uh, help children explore nature and the outdoors. Yeah. I find, well, first of all, music, it evokes emotion to some degree or connection in in all of us. There is a reason that many of us can still remember songs from our childhood or our teen years in high school, lyrics to certain things. There are songs that make us dance. There are songs that make us cry. There are songs that make you remember. Music is so powerful in that way. And because of that, it can also just help us remember. And for me, when I'm teaching through song, and this is this has been one of my examples in the past, but it's one of my favorite examples. Do you know what an Uthaka is? No, no I do not. You? No, no, I do not. Uthaka, writing that really? down. Really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So an Uthaka is a praying mantis egg. And it's, <laughs> it is the actual name of a praying mantis <laughs> egg, the scientific name, but it's gen- it's actually called an Uthaka. So many people don't know this. In fact, hardly anyone ever knows this. And it's so fun at my performances because I carry one around that, I mean, let me be clear, it's already hatched. I watched it hatch, <laughs> but I carry one around. And, um, and usually when people see it, because it looks somewhere between like a tiny little beehive and a toasted marshmallow. I mean, they're kind of, once you see one, you're like, Ah, you know, okay, I've seen that in a bush or a tree before or my Christmas tree, you know, or something, but people don't know that it's called that. So an Uthaka is just, it's such a 
special name for an egg case that I felt like it needed its own song. And so <laughs> in Uthika, for example, it teaches what an Uthika is. But in that, and yes, it's a fun and a, and a catchy song, and I, I love performing it, and kids love seeing what it is. But the kicker in all that is that it has then not only taught them something that they did not know before, they have gained knowledge, they've gained vocabulary, but it sparks curiosity because now that they know what it is, they want to know more. And that's just human nature, especially with children. They want to learn and they readily learn when we offer them information, especially when it's fun and it, invo it involves adventure and exploration. So then they'll want to go and find an Uthika. And I have had children, this is true, I've had children who have come to performances before, learned what an Uthika is, and then later come to performances of mine and brought an Uthika that they found. And they are so <laughs> proud. And I love it because they, and they had to show me, it's like, we found this, you know, in our yard and look, it's an Uthika. And that's, and I know it's like, part of it sounds kind of silly, that's but at the so same cute. time, that's the connection. So music not only can help ignite a new interest, maybe a child was not interested in insects prior to it. Maybe they had no interest in praying mantises. Maybe they're afraid of insects. But learning what houses them before they hatch and knowing that they could find them, sometimes just finding the Uthaka, even if they don't want to deal with praying mantises afterwards, that's the treasure right there. And that's the connection. And so I feel like you can e easily learn about nature through music, but also create a desire to know more about it. And that's just one example of it. But that's how I love to use it because I love things like that. And to be able to spark, you know, curiosity and wonder like that and then a, have a child go forth and then oh, I learned this and I did that and that made me want to do this. That's what it's all about. And sometimes just one song or a couple of songs can do that. It's just another element of education, another layer of it. There's tactile. I mean, you want to hold a stick, you want to hold a rock, you want to, you know, you can read about things, you can put an art element into things and be creative with it. But then there's the musical element of things. And I think when you add all of those things together, each element creates this amazing new level of education that I don't think a parent or child even realizes is happening inside of them, but it's there. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so that's what I really like to do through it if I can. Uthaka. We've learned a new word, Jen. If my kids bring home an Uthaka egg, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I think the key <laughs> is to make sure the key is to make sure it has hatched and that there isn't actually still a praying mantis inside the Uthaka egg. That's so, true. Uh, we'll be adding that to the that is adding true. that to the show notes with a disclaimer, I think. <laughs> that is true. And disclaimer, they do love pine trees. And I, I post this each year, but please seriously check your trees before you bring them in the house. If you do a Christmas tree, because they will be on the branches and they're meant to go through winter. Like they're very hardy. The the premises lay them in the fall and they're meant to weather the weather. And they don't hatch until spring. 
So if you bring them in unknowingly, the warmth <laughs> of the house will trick them into thinking it's spring and you you two can use your Ladies. lovely imaginations to oh my gosh. I mean, one Uthaka can house up to 200 little <gasps> nymphs. Oh so, my god. Okay, yes. and then and then we That's never a got a Christmas we never got a Christmas tree again. That's the I moral Christmas of the trees. story today. We're never buying a no, live Christmas tree. Those are the unsprayed tree. ones. Those are going to be the ones that are unsprayed. But still, check just in case good they look behind Very tree. good to know. Good tip. Yeah. Um, so I do want to make sure we've talked about so many different aspects of the different services that you offer, Sarah. Where is the best place to get some of these resources into the hands of our listeners? Sure. Anyone can go to wildpicklepress.com. Everything I do is there, all of the links. Um, as far as my books go, they are available on Amazon, of course, in multiple countries and on Barnes and Noble online, um, not in the stores. And then my music is on it's on every streaming platform, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, et cetera, Pandora. Um, so it's streamable. But do I do hope that people will go to my website because I love to offer freebies on there. It might be a song. Um there are art-related things. There's even an art-related thing with Where is Wild, where you can do a printout and kids can create their own wild scene with little characters and elements from the book and just get creative with that. But um, and even a nature guide for the nature-reluctant parent <laughs> that you know, just to have resources and ideas for people with anyone from babies to teens. Um, so yeah, wildpicklepress.com is going to be the the hub of it all. And so with all these things on the go, Sarah, what are you working on next? Is there another book in the works? Is there another song? Or what does that look like for you? I feel like there's always something in the works. Honestly, I have so many half-written stories and half-drawn characters and half-written songs. Um, it's probably going to be an album. Um, yes, it's probably going to be an album that's next. The books do take a lot longer because of the illustrations. The albums do take a while too. But yes, the next album is hopefully coming out this year. And I will tell you that it's going to be more of kind of a farm to forest sort of vibe. There's going to be some, it's going to be farm related too. And that'll awesome. be a a first with some of my things bringing in the farm element of stuff. So it's, it's going to be fun. I think <laughs> I'm having fun writing things right now for it. <laughs> um, we'll make sure we keep an eye on all of that and uh, link to all of those places in our show notes here. If you want to check out any of those things that Sarah has mentioned, I think it's, it's really cool to hear how your journey through this has kind of gone from one place to the next. I think when you're working on such creative projects, you can't predict where it's going to go. I love that you've started out in kind of some areas of this and ended up with multiple albums now. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting take on, on getting kids outside. Um, I think Jen and I have learned a lot about praying mantises that we didn't know about. Um, <laughs> now you know what an Uthaka is. You will not forget it. <laughs> already going to plan to play some of these songs for my kids and see what kind of questions come out of them. Um, so thank you so much for sharing all of your, your journey with us here, Sarah, and uh, and all of those great resources. We know that our listeners, you know, love to, to hear about more kind of books and songs and Oh, and ways to inspire us. And uh, we also know that everyone's inspired by something different. So so thank Absolutely. you for coming on the show today. 
Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a joy. <laughs> and if you want to find out anything more about uh, Get Outside with Kids, if you've got any questions, you've got ideas for topics coming up or guests, we'd love to hear from you over on Instagram at Get Outside with Kids. We'd also love if you've enjoyed this episode, if you can share it with a friend and hit five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Get Outside with Kids. 